0: Just before we get into it, the Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth player scouting and trading strategy. Go to the site now check out the staggering results from the first half of the season. The consistent accuracy over a long period of time is impressive and he puts in a lot of hard work each and every week to produce really high quality content. As an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG. 25 So that's FIG25. And I've also got a video on YouTube, which reviews the site, uh, which you should check out as well. Uh, So just head over to footballindextrader.co.uk and the code is FIG25. Hello, and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 118, 118. And today I'm joined by a guy that I probably should have had on a long, long time ago, Chris. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hi, yeah, I'm Chris, I've been on Football Index for about three years now, so yeah, maybe it is about time for, I wouldn't necessarily put myself in the category of some of the traders you had on so far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Long overdue, though, nonetheless, I think it was Football Index RC and SOTD that both gave you the, the green light, they gave oh, you the okay. shout, but they, I was asking a few traders about new fresh blood that I should have on the podcast and they, they both recommended you, I was like, okay. That's good enough to me. Two recommendations, whoever they're from. That's all that's
1: needed, is it? A little heads up from RC and this ATD. Role. Thanks to them. Yeah, me and RC have our um, you know mutual commiseration about Southampton going on. So that's Yeah,
0: fair. I think that's probably the reason that we've <laughs> got on. Not Southampton. fans getting on, yeah. Well, I'm
1: happy to talk about them at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're doing well. I, I always thought, even with the 9-0, I remember watching that and being like, I still think he's a decent coach.
1: Oh, great. Only the usual kind of Muppets that you have at every club were wanting him out, I think, even after that. Oh, well, it was pretty bleak. Sat there in the ground watching that, but
0: yeah. Well, you, you clearly go to more games than I see. Yeah, I think that's a given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering he spends half his time sporting Spurs, probably a struggle for him. Why don't you tell us a bit more about your football next journey? Three years is a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. Yeah, I
1: think I, I think I sort of came across it when I, we were doing a bit of work with a sort of gambling client, and I just saw some ads and thought, "What is this?" and had a little read up thought that just appealed to me and you know never been into a kind of, you know, sort of traditional gambling before that so that sort of appealed I had a little play around it was MB only so it wasn't kind of you know, where it's at today by any means but yeah it just it just I liked the idea of you know using your football knowledge to try and profit from it really so um, yeah I kind of got into it then and PB came along not too long after I'm not convinced it would have held my attention without it for long but I think it was only a month or so after I joined that they started talking about PB and I kind of thought yeah this is where we need to be so yeah kind of then just went from there yeah.
0: That's awesome and you're not the first person who's come on the pod that's talked about not having that kind of gambling background and then being enticed by FI.
1: Yeah I think if you're a little bit more risk-averse maybe or if you don't have you know a huge huge amount of cash and you don't want to kind of blow it all on a couple of bets then I think it appeals um, to a lot of people and we can probably talk about it a bit later, but I, do th- I think that's an area that they they maybe don't make enough of, actually, in some of the comms that they do, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. That might be a good time to kind of talk a bit about your background and what you do, because it's going to lead on to a lot of the conversation on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I work, I work for a kind of global PR and comms agency. We have a number of kind of big global clients, and I sit in the sort of B2B space within that. So we have kind of, yeah, tech, B2B, big hitters and, and some smaller kind of startup players as well so yeah that's the that's the day job and then well actually it's the one that you can get away with looking at FI a fair amount as well while you while you, while you busy say, <laughs> I'm pretty certain none of them will be listening to this either
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it's awkward if they are yeah, so if you so are well guess what
1: I don't do any work yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah I mean that's going to breed a lot of the conversation because obviously this was completely coincidental, you know. We booked you on before the new year, and this announcement happened this week, and now you're coming on. So it's kind of perfect.
1: A slick announcement, yeah. A slick announcement that it was. Yeah. <laughs> <A> very
0: <laughs> slick announcement. But before we get into some questions and so on, why don't you give us some of your top tips for for new users? Because I know that there are a lot of new users that are out there right now, listening to the show for maybe the first or second time. So take it away, Chris.
1: Do you know what? I suspect I'll repeat what normally gets said, but I just think for me personally, it was definitely a kind of take your time, put a little bit of money in, see how that works. A bit of money that you weren't, you know, you're not too bothered if you, if you screw it up because it is a complex product at the moment and it's easy to not fully understand why things work and why things happen. So take some time, see what moves the market. When you feel confident, then, then put a bit more money in. But do your research and make sure you've read the rules I can't stress that enough and and this week was obviously a a cracking example of that so
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do think that a lot of new users tend to rush and and I kind of understand it's exciting
1: when you're on there isn't it so
0: yeah there's FOMO on the market but there's also FOMO to get involved you know
1: yeah I definitely I think once you've deposited you know 50 quid it's burning a hole in your pocket almost isn't it like one of the things that people always say is try and have a cash balance. I never have a cash balance. <laughs> as soon as there's some, I'm like, right, that's going on this player. <laughs> I totally understand why people do that. But yeah, I think it's I think it's, it's just take your time. Don't be hasty as well. I think it's easy to freak out if you buy someone and they drop by a penny when you first joined, right? But yeah, just take your time. And you'll soon start to see what really makes the market, what makes it tick. This is a funny time to be joining as well, right? Especially as we say, the elephant in the room is is this week's announcement. But uh, in general, I think a transfer window is a funny time to join, albeit probably FI's most successful time at recruiting people in January.
0: Yeah, I mean, the market is so irrational when it comes to transfer (laughs) windows. So it's not a very logical time for traders to kind of be onboarded very smoothly. Especially
1: right now, right? Because we've got to get everyone over a quid, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that a bit more in a bit. I think it's, the new user thing is really great. And the amount of news that are joining is amazing. Like, I think FI have done a great job of like acquiring a lot of people.
1: 100% agree with that. I think that was one of the questions, wasn't it? Is that where they need to keep focusing? Yeah, it obviously is. You know, they need to keep growing it. Yeah? They do a good job of acquiring people. I, I, I suspect they probably acquire people at a rate that they're just about comfortable with at this time of year, I think, with the, with the tech background.
0: I actually said this in about like September, October time, maybe even November last year, where I think they're quite happy of like getting loads and loads of people on board in January and then kind of just like trying to Ease them into it throughout the year. I know that sounds weird and it's not like the orthodox way of onboarding or acquiring users, but this isn't an orthodox product, is it? I mean, if you get a mass influx of people in January and then have like a kind of five month period where those people are kind of helped to learn the ropes, retained, and then they deposit big, and then you kind of have another big bump in, say, August, which was, I think, the second biggest, if I'm not mistaken, big month in FIs acquisition side of things in 2019, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Then that kind of model, it's not awful. It doesn't make sense, but it kind of works. I think it does.
1: I think that's one thing we probably never think about when we talk about they should be doing this from a marketing perspective or this or this. They're operating on a marketing budget, obviously. They choose where they're going to put it. They've no doubt done plenty of research into, you know, when is a good time to put the foot down on customer acquisition and and they do it. And I think then giving them, you know, a few months to bed in without the mass acquisition over that whole time probably does make sense. I guess the other thing is I don't think we're all kind of fully confident in the in the tech to handle relentless acquisition. I think it might fall down on occasions and they obviously can't afford that the bigger the, the product gets. So again, I think that they're, they're, they they probably are pretty happy with the rate of acquisition. I don't think that's a major issue for them. I think we can get into it. I think the marketing stuff they do is great. I think the comms element, when you start sort of looking at the Different parts of the marketing mix, I think the cons element still needs a fair amount of work. I would have probably been more balanced this time last week versus recent.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh recency bias, isn't it? But um I want to get into some miscellaneous questions, but we didn't get any. We just got some compliments here. Nice, Chris. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> nice man about time. Football index investors. Or, or
1: beige, depending on how you look <laughs> at it.
0: He said, "Ah, oh, brilliant. This is Football Index Investor. One of the first people I followed on Twitter back in winter 2016. And then Sully FI said, always appreciated Chris's input. Stays relatively neutral and gives good insight. Glad he's finally making an appearance. So he also thinks it's uh, a long time coming. Yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? What a great start. <laughs> <laughs> great start. Great start. It can only go down from uh, pretty here. Pretty much, yeah. Just want to remind you guys that if you are enjoying the show, please do leave a review. If you're listening on iTunes, it takes a second, just scroll down on your Apple Podcasts app and leave a five-star review. I mean, look, give me a one-star review if you think the show's shit, but five stars would be preferable. If you guys haven't checked out my YouTube channel, then check out the latest video, which is uh, Top 5 Tips for Beginners. And there's also the Beginner's Guide, which has gone out with a big uproar. A lot of, (laughs) honestly, I couldn't open Twitter on my phone. I had to go on my desktop for a little bit, which was. Awesome. Thanks very much, everyone, for all those kind of kind words and and great pushes from all you guys. I really do appreciate you guys getting the word out. And it was amazing to see how many people were like kind of commenting underneath the tweet with people that they knew that they just wanted to explain the index to in 20 minutes. So that was great. Let's get into the questions. So let's start with the latest announcement, the elephant in the room. Why don't you explain what it was and how it happened?
1: Uh, I mean, how it happened is is anyone's guess, right?
0: Maybe not in terms of like how they figured it out, yeah, but in terms yeah, yeah. of the execution, you know yeah. what I mean. So we can talk about the kind of what was in their minds later, but tell me what it is and how it was kind of communicated. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think you know a transfer window dividend is in itself. It sounds like a good idea, and that you know that's what they've come up with. Obviously, and there's a 10p dividend every time a permanent transfer is completed from PB League to PB League, right? And then a 5P if it's a loan and you're talking the top five leagues, obviously. There's loads of caveats that were kind of buried in the announcement, the top five leagues and and that they need to be over a pound to qualify for the the dividend with the the two big ones. What do you think of it? I mean, I just, I like to be positive about the announcements they make and and I think in general they get them right. But I, I, I found myself immediately thinking about what might be the negatives of this one. And I think it just felt like a lot of people are probably going to get burned on some of these transfers and 10p in one hit, that is a decent return, right? But if you buy in at the top and everyone piles out before the dividend lands, you're going to find yourself probably well down on, on what you put in. And I think you sort of saw that almost straight away. Giroud was quite a good example where he hit 125 or something like that. And you just kind of think, well, someone piled in at 125 and 124 and... Almost half an hour later, we're I mean, we're still nowhere that close to him completing that transfer. He's back under a quid now. If you were a new user yeah. there, I think you'd have a minor panic if that happened, right?
0: Well, you'd also be confused. I yeah. think the the prospect of a thirty, what is he, two three year old striker going from Chelsea to is he mainly linked to Inter Milan? Is that yeah, is that I the kind of club that's being a, rumored?
1: Inter here in London, aren't they, to try and yeah, see
0: it's that one. going from kind of one bench to the other. It seems, and he's rising a. Phenomenal amount just because of this new dividend. It's again, we talk about like intuition on FI. There's this transfer loan thing. The thing that I just did straight away as soon as I saw it, and to be honest with you, I was kind of like doing something, so I I didn't see the kind of uproar, the downfall from it. I kind of came off the tube, looked at my phone, and the first thing I did was check the date. And I was like, it's the 13th of January when they announced this. And I'm just thinking, like, that just makes to me no sense. And I'm sure. FI have a reason for doing it today, right? There must be a reason that they've done this. They can't have just done it for no reason. But for me, I was just looking at like, why would you do a transfer related promotion when nearly 50% of the window has gone already? Like it just didn't make sense to me. It just
1: smacks of bad planning or no planning. And I think then the way it was sort of announced, then, you know, look, the only heads up we had of it was a tweet from Adam Cole, which obviously gets everyone excited. But the fact that he tweeted it and there was nothing else about it, I I kind of interpreted that as, you know, there's going to be some sort of giveaway coming up. It never crossed my mind that this was going to be essentially a, a new dividend for the next, you know, two, three weeks. I, I just, I found, I found <laughs> it astonishing, I, I have to say.
0: Don't you find it though, Chris, that when you do loads and loads of promotions and loads of offers that the novelty kind of wears off? Like a lot of people have told me, like, Let's just have another deposit bonus, and and let's do this. Let's do this. Like, and there are some kicking around, right? Yeah, there are clearly for mostly probably for people that are quite dormant accounts, or people that haven't deposited in like years, or people that like kind of went off the platform, etc. And that makes sense. People kind of spreading it on Twitter. I I don't know if that helps. Maybe really. I think if you spin it in yeah. like a yeah, it adds to the confusion. I, I I don't mean that those people are doing it in a malicious way or that they're doing something wrong. It just kind of adds to the layers of the confusion. I just do think that. When you have like an offer on top of an offer when new dividends weren't actually that long ago, the novelty kind of slightly tends to wear off. Because, like, if this was announced in say mid November, I really do think the whole community would have got behind it and you would have had loads and loads of like transfer rises and a lot more kind of like creative trading. Whereas now it's just like, well, X player is going to get rumored and they're going to go up 50% and then fall down 50%. Whereas in November, December, I think there could have been a bit more like preemption of, of who could move, etc. It just would have felt a bit more tactical.
1: That goes on anyway, right? I think the, the smart traders that plan for cycles and things like that are probably investing in players they think are going to move in January and in September, October time. And then you're in early now, they're not going to be eligible for this dividend, albeit you know, they'd still benefit from a, a decent cap app. But there's loads to this. I completely agree that this should have been announced a few weeks before the window opened as a minimum. Yeah, I just don't understand because I, I guess we're getting into you know the way they went about announcing it now and I think if you go back say a year they in general kind of balls up most announcements in one way or another I think it's fair to say. <laughs> I think you know the last one that they got kind of pretty badly wrong was when they they introduced this sort of IPD trial. And you had a Twitter announcement, a website announcement and a kind of weird letter from Adam Cole going up at similar times and and sort of saying different things and just throwing everyone (laughs) into mass confusion and the market was open nonstop. So
0: so you've consulted for a lot of these companies, right? Yeah. How does that happen? You, as a professional comms person, you probably would have seen way worse than this, right? How does that happen internally at a company that isn't Mm. that big? I'm not kind of pointing the finger there. I'm just kind of trying to ascertain certain reasons as to why it could happen. It's a difficult
1: one to figure out. I've seen plenty of kind of terrible announcements and, you know, poorly written announcements and things like that. I think what you don't normally see, which is which is an unwanted feather in FI's cap, I guess, at that point, was you don't normally see different messages coming out through different kind of medians talking about the same thing. I think that as a major error, I think, you know, there was even kind of technical points about the dividends in the, in that particular announcement that were different from Adam's piece to what was on Twitter and I think you know sporadically some people got emails about the the new div- the, the new trial some people didn't you know all of that stuff was a mess and I think that shakes a bit of confidence but what they've done over the past year has become much much better at those kind of proactive announcements they've taken a lot more control over them they've gone through a process of telling everyone listening we're looking at this hear more in a few weeks and then in a few weeks time they say right this is the date we're going to make the announcement on that date this is what's going to happen it'll be at this time the market's going to be shut for half an hour so you can take some time to read it and understand it and they've handled them barring a couple of kind of tech issues on the comms side they've handled them really well they've become quite slick at that and you know everything was much more aligned and so that's why i found this one particularly surprising because it was a new dividend announcement this is not a minor thing And not shutting the market, having set a precedent for doing that already, I found that staggering. So it was no surprise that when the kind of announcement was also not brilliantly written and a lot of the key information was buried six or seven paragraphs down in the announcement that some people in the panic to be the first person to get in and buy these transfer rumours completely missed that, the PB League element of it or, you know, the sub one pound element of it. And then people are pointing that out on Twitter, and then there's a mass IS in of some players. And you just think, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure on, one, on the one hand, FI are, are laughing and, and you know, rolling in commission, but this is not a good look for a company that has tried to position itself a little bit in the way it has, you know, around a completely different way to gamble. And, you know, they point out softly, and I think you talked about it with Headhunter last week, they could maybe go harder on that, taking on the bookies and pointing out their kind of more money grabbing nature so yeah all in all i thought it was a comms mess you know
0: <laughs> the, the likes of sky bet and stuff this is i think it's, a, it's an important thing to say actually you're right chris it is an opportunity for fi to kind of do something slightly different and also thrive because like if you think about the sky bets of this world and you've always seen those horror tweets when it's like hey this player scored what's happened and they just give some bullshit reason about like why it wasn't given a goal or whatever and like, you just think this is, again, if I have an opportunity to disrupt a market, not only from like a value add, an odds perspective, a kind of enjoyment perspective, but also from the kind of like marketing side and the com side, as we've just said, there could be a lot of opportunity.
1: Massive, yeah. I think there was a question about, you know, what type of campaigns they should look at moving forward. It was a particular question about, you know, should they go down the kind of Paddy Power stunt type? On the one hand, <laughs> that probably would give them a bit of a, a big bang at that point. I would say the type of platform they are, they would be better served to, you know, look at a more, a kind of comms approach like you, like we're just saying, you know, they have an opportunity to position themselves very differently to other betting platforms, things like Responsible Gambling Week. I think they should go really hard at that. Yeah, 100%. It's not just a little kind of tweet and a nod about it and, a, you know, when the fun stops, you tweet that every now and again and, and you're good. We spend a lot of time, at work talking to clients about the fact that now if you really want to thrive you have to have a purpose and you have to stand for something and you have to play more of a role in society and and if I could do that with the responsible gambling piece for me I I really think they could because it is all about making you know your bet doesn't end at the end of every game you don't just immediately have your stake wiped out it's still there you know it's unlikely that you're ever going to just put money in and lose it in a day I'd love to hear someone and how they managed to do that frankly but Do you know what I mean? I think they've got a real opportunity to be a part of that kind of initiative. It will be a slower burn in terms of the type of loyalty and the type of customers that it picks up, but it positions them so differently from everyone else, which they already do in other aspects. I think that's a real open goal for them.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think I've mentioned that a few times to the guys at FI that there's a big opportunity there for them. I do want to get on with the questions because otherwise I think we'll be all night here, Chris. FI Jack says, in terms of marketing and comms, what do you think FI could improve upon going forward? Or is it just doing the same, but bigger and better?
1: Yeah, I mean, we started touching on that, right? And I think that for me personally, the marketing is very decent. I think they've got a great coverage of, you know, loads of the key channels you'd want to be on. We can always point out a couple of more opportunities for them. And as I said, they're working on a finite marketing budget. And a lot of the marketing they're doing is, is really expensive marketing, right? So I think they're doing a pretty good job on that. And the acquisition story bears that out. I would say on the comms side, They have to resolve the comms. It's gotta be better. They're not a startup anymore. I know we say that quite a lot about various issues. You know, when we talk about tech problems, they're not a startup anymore. Comms is the same. They're getting a bigger user base every day. You just can't communicate poorly with people. I actually, you know, if we did this last week, I would have told you that I think that they do the proactive stuff well from a Commons perspective now when they are sort of...
0: Yes, I I would love you to touch on that a bit more, that the reactive versus proactive, I think that's something that you really wanted to touch on. Yeah,
1: because I think they do, in general, let's take this kind of weirdness that happened this week with the announcement aside. I think they do the proactive piece well when they're sort of in control of it and they're planning it and they get all their ducks in a row and they do it. The reactive piece, I think, is a much bigger problem for them. There's loads and loads of reasons why that is. I think the two things that really stand out for me are, you can talk about crisis comms, that makes it sound like much more dramatic than it is. Crisis comms can cover anything from, you know, a death of the CEO or something terrible like that, all the way down to a more minor kind of platform issue. And those are exactly what FI experience, right? And I think they appear not to have a plan in place for those. And I think the other thing is they always happen, FI is not a nine-to-five business, right? But so these things always happen outside of what you would say is the sort of you know traditional working hours. For FI, that can't be the traditional working hours, nine-to-five. Most guys yeah. are on the platform in the evening and at the weekend when games are on. But that's also when there's most likely to be a problem. So we see this all the time. And then when the problem is unfolding at 9.30 at night, there then doesn't appear to be a plan in place as to how they manage that. Either a kind of comms plan, you know, who's sat there? There will be someone there. But that person can't make a decision. So what's the plan to kind of roll up to the a level where someone can make a decision? That doesn't appear to be there. So you quite often get these fairly blunt tweets in response that obviously just piss everyone off because they appear to be not taking into consideration any concerns. And then I think, you know, a great example was the Neymar, was it his goal or not? Yeah. That was handled so badly. And I think when they put out the first tweet in the evening, basically shouting everyone down and pretty much saying, look, we're not interested in this chat, not in those words. But that was how it essentially came across. We spoke at the time we're straight away and I said, they will 100% end up paying out on Neymar tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did message me saying that. You
1: just knew it. And that was even before it had been confirmed. So there's clearly not a plan in place to just escalate that up and say, how do we handle this? This is unfolding now. So that should be in place. But even if there's not that, then there just needs to be like a clear, like, do you know what? When something like this is happening, we do need to acknowledge it straight away. Just do that. Just acknowledge it and say, we are taking a look at this. Obviously, it's a kind of moving issue at the moment. We'll keep you posted. That would shut down so much of the moaning. People would still be saying what they think they should be doing and not, but that needs to happen. But they don't appear to have that. And then, I guess, I know I'm kind of rabbiting on here, but I think what it also showed that incident is that they haven't kind of gone through a sort of scenario planning session. What do we do if this happens? What do we do if this happens? And that's a kind of big part of having a having a nice and simple to action crisis comms plan, you know, where you have planned for scenarios. There are obviously hundreds and hundreds of things that could happen in a football game at any time that will influence the the index. And they clearly can't plan for every single one. I would say that what happened with that name piece is not As hugely unlikely as you might think
0: it is, especially with VAR.
1: In some ways, VAR should clear it up quicker, right? So it maybe is less of an issue, but it's not unlikely that that would happen. And I think the other thing we said when we were talking about it was,
0: and I'm sure it's happened before. Yeah, like I'm sure goals have been chalked off by the dubious goal panel, and you can't retrospectively take dividends away. Like there just needs to be a if there's a clear line in the sand. It's a bit different to like the PB matrix, for example. A lot of people talk about like oh, the PB matrix, if it is what it is, everyone should be happy. And I kind of understand that. But I also say that if you can improve something, then why not? Whereas if it's something that's like, it's kind of like, weirdly, with the VAR kind of when people are offside by their toes, if like the FA just came out and said, look, we're only going to call offside if it is clear, which is what it was supposed to be for at the start. If the VAR officials can't get it within like, say, 30 seconds, then you go with the on-field decision. And that might not be the perfect way to do things, but at least everyone would know where they stand. And I think that's probably the main issue, isn't it, Chris? That people don't really know where they stand with certain things on FI.
1: This was just a great example of it, wasn't it? And I think the other thing I thought was, I bet there's other examples of this not that long ago. And then, you know, within half an hour of FI coming out with what they called a goodwill payment on Neymar, someone had already gone back and said, hey, let, three months ago... At the start of the season, Kimmich had a goal credited to him the next day and that would have won in PB. They opened themselves up to that straight away. What I kind of felt like they, they had to do off the back of that was then just go, okay, we just need to now tighten up the rules on that and go in and say, okay, that's happened. So the rule is, and it may not be this that they choose to do, but just to say the rule is we go with Opta up until midnight and then that's what we pay out. And if it gets changed the next day, well, I'm sorry, but we pay out as it is at the time. If that was the case, some people might not like it, but it's clear what's going on. I sort of expected them to do that post the sort of incident. I thought, Mm -hmm. surely they're going to now clarify that rule and then also communicate to everyone. Right, that happened and then we've now had a look at it and we've changed the rule. This is the rule. They haven't done that still, so it happens again. They'll be in the same situation again, which is obviously, that's crazy. They end up paying out on the most expensive player in the game. Most people probably reinvested it, so you can say it wasn't too much of an issue. And it it probably wasn't, but it's not something you need to do, need to get yourself into, right? And I just think they still haven't resolved it. So now they have just set a kind of loose precedent that that's what they do. They could just fix this straight away. It's those kind of things where you're like, I don't know why you don't resolve these, these small issues because they're a kind of social driven business a lot of the time, aren't they? In terms of the community. And these are the things that just wind people up all the time. And, you know, nobody on FI... Twitter community in particular is is very shy of just going on and having a good old moan up about stuff. And if you're in the middle of trying to acquire as many customers as you can, and and people land on there and go, "Christ, okay," it seems like there's all sorts of problems with this platform, and they maybe have already got suspicions about whether it's a scam or a Ponzi or any of the things we've seen this week. They don't sign up. Yeah, it's all like small little things, but they do stack up to something a bit bigger. F I R not on their own in any stretch of of not having a kind of good crisis plan in place. Almost every client of any size that I've ever worked with doesn't have a crisis plan in place until one's happened. And then they go, shit, you know, we should have probably put a plan in place for that. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's always easier to sell that kind of service to someone after they've had a disaster publicly, right? So I don't know, if I don't seem, they just don't seem to have corrected some pretty simple things that they could resolve from a comms perspective that would make their
0: life a lot easier can i ask you chris why do you think they did just going back to the transfer thing because i don't know we, we definitely went into it a little bit but i just want to ask you one final question on it before we get into a few more questions we have four or five here why do you think they did it why do you think they felt the need to do the transfer bonus dividend again there are a lot of people will say look it's free money blah 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 but you know you can still question a why because even if they double dividends tomorrow we can still ask why they've done it so i'm curious to hear your thoughts
1: I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they had probably a discussion where an idea like that came up and they thought, actually, yeah, I think people will love the excitement of that as well. And it's just a nice add on. That is probably, if you want to just sleep comfortably at night about what FI are thinking and doing that, it's probably a good way of looking at it. It does feel like they are not stupid. They will know exactly how those transfers are going to play out in terms of the individual players on on the index. and. They must know that they're going to make a ton of commission on some of these players. So it does feel, it feels a little bit uncomfortable for me in that regard, because if they haven't talked all that through, then they're not doing their job. So they definitely have, and they know how these things work. So to me, it does feel a little bit like they might be trying to bolster the coffers through a big, you know, kind of chunk of commission in January. And that doesn't sit particularly well with me. I'm sure it doesn't sit well with a lot of people. So if that's not the case, then I'm happy, but it does feel a bit like that. I felt slightly uncomfortable by it all, I think. Yeah, I just think it was a bit unnecessary. As a result, when it's unnecessary, it's easy to see the, the negatives in it.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, you are correct, I think, Chris, but I can't really hang around on that one anymore. I've got loads of questions to get through. Nonetheless, from <laughs> FI Headhunter who was on the previous podcast. If you guys want to go listen to that one, he was awesome. I I really enjoyed that one. Surprising
1: obsession with whales, but it it was (laughs) was great all the same.
0: (laughs) The whale hunter. He needs to change his name, FI Whale Hunter. At least the avatar, yeah. If you were the agency running marketing and comms for FI, how would you leverage the data that Football Index likely has about its customers already to attract new users? And what extra data would you ideally want them to be collecting on their customers to maximise success of any campaign?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... The data piece is obviously key, especially for digital business like them. When I was thinking about this, and I guess I'm not the kind of data expert within, <laughs> within my agency, so they, those guys would probably be laughing at any attempt at, at answer that I make, but <laughs> I don't actually think they probably do have a great amount of data on there users other than their sort of buying habits and why do you not think that i just don't know it's been a while since i signed up it's not a particularly kind of stringent sign up process is it in terms of additional information and they probably do some some decent kind of data scraping and things like that i wouldn't say they probably have data and understand their users in the same way that a betfair or someone like that does i think they just seek a lot more information a lot of those kind of platforms when you first sign up because that ultimately helps them to kind of tailor individual offers to you, you never really get that from FI, right? If you get a deposit bonus offer, as you said earlier, it's probably because you haven't deposited for a while, which is fine. You should try and kind of prod people with a, an offer like that, I think. That's the only time you would get a sort of tailored offer really from Football Index compared to what you, you get from other gambling platforms, for example, who are obviously much bigger organisations at the moment. All of that kind of leads me to think, I don't know if they do have a huge amount of data on their users. I think they obviously can analyse the the trading Patterns and habits, you know, and they should do that on individuals as well as sort of bigger trends to understand what drives the market at certain times. And I'm sure, they do all that stuff, but I don't think I'd be averse to them doing, you know, a few kind of data capture type pieces. I'm sure they do it through social ads and all these kind of things, as they obviously do. So, to answer that question, I, d- I don't think they probably have as much data on their users as they would like, is my assessment of it really. They should know, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember what was the sign up process like. I don't think they asked what, for example, team you supported, things like that. Mm. It's just little things like that. Or, like, do you pay for um, a subscription sports service or something? You know, those kind of questions that would start to tell them more about the users and for marketing campaigns, for example, about where is a good place to place certain ads and things like that. I think they're covering most of the bases anyway on that. Yeah, I'm not a data marketing expert. I just get a sense that they don't have as much data on you as you might think they do. And that's borne out by the lack of tailored kind of comms you get from
0: them. It's also a scale issue, isn't it, right? If you've got 517,000 users or whatever now, and it might just be a case of there is too much data there's a mm. lot of banks out there at the moment, like massive you know, incumbents who have tens of millions of customers who they go to a lot of agencies and say, look, we have all this data. We literally don't know what to do with it. And FI, I presume, it could be that end of the spectrum as well. But FI Momentum has got a good question here as well. Great guests. So another compliment for you, Chris. <laughs> Racking them up at this point. Know, yeah,
1: Just start showing them to people at work.
0: You could do what I do with the reviews every now and then, tweet them. But just take screenshots of tweets. I think that would boost your own personal profile. Which target market do you think FI should focus on for obtaining new hmm. users? How many players do you have in your portfolio and which is your favorite hold and why? And he says, Fig, love the buy prices on the shirt. So a nice competition. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Matthew Showpony, well done to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that as well. It tapped into when I was kind of younger we used to go on holiday, like family holidays. I'd, I would obsessively buy the football shirts from wherever we went, even if it was some, you know, obscure Spanish second division side I loved it that was something that I felt gave me a bit of credit so I enjoyed the pick
0: I just think it's the best content on Twitter at the moment nice
1: there it is (laughs) little
0: soundbite there yeah that's it it's it's (laughs) the best content on Twitter
1: right I can tick off the kind of port ones quickly and then I I normally have around 40 to 50 players at a time I think that is just Mm. about manageable for me in terms of players that I like and people might think this is pumping but I'm happy to say it I've held Trent for ages I think 70p maybe so i kind of always look at him and go yeah that's nice isn't it i still i mean that you can't help but be pleased with yourself about that and i probably should have topped up along the way but i don't i I tend to just hold an amount of a player and then look to keep diversifying rather than topping up which is kind of the way i do it Messi, just because like it genuinely makes me a bit sad to think about being on fi and Messi not being on there do you know what I mean? Mm. Imagine like him just not being playing ever and you're on FI. It just wouldn't be as good, would it?
0: I mean, it's going to happen soon. Yeah, it
1: is, isn't it? And it's something great about watching Messi and then at the same time going, he's absolutely racking up the points here. It's just it's just great. Yeah, I'm a big Messi in advocate rather than a spin <laughs> him off because he's so old.
0: I do think that could be the biggest kind of change in the market ever. It could be the biggest black hole. Because imagine like, you know, Eden Hazard left the Premier League and that felt like a bit of like a hole in the league, both from a footballing but also FI standpoint, like MB, potential PB as well when he scored. But, you know, Messi and Ronaldo, if those two guys kind of... Buggered off in the next 2 to yeah, 3 years and they will the kind go of black in the similar hole time, aren't they? they will like I really do think it's going to be kind of a similar time where they kind of start to wind down but anyway that's that's for another podcast i think FI uh, Milanchester.
1: did you want to do the uh, the main part of his question i think was the the target markets for FI? yeah we forgot about just that just chatting about the portfolio yeah <laughs> i don't think they properly tapped the fpl market for me like I, I, I was i wasn't like big into fpl i was one of those who kind of signs up every year if it's going well, I'm probably interested to the end of the season. And if it's not, then, you know, sort of forget about it until the next summer. But I don't think they've ever properly tapped into that. And the the reason why I think they should is I think the sort of the PB element of FI does align fairly close with a lot of the reasons why people quite enjoy FBL. And then you obviously Mm -hmm. add in the opportunity to kind of profit from it as well. So I think that is something they could probably do a better job of. I think you've obviously done a few bits with FBR related accounts and that's definitely yeah. helped, but they, I don't think FI have particularly tapped that, but I think it would be, it'd be a good place to go for them. And then I think, yeah, I agreed with everything that was being said around kind of whale harpooning last week from <laughs> Headhunter. I think there is... FI whale, whale Hunter. FI like, Whale Hunter. need need to change he his name. need to change it, yeah. So yeah, they're the areas I think they can focus on, but it feels a bit kind of difficult to give too much criticism in terms of where they go next when the market is growing so rapidly, right?
0: Definitely. FI Milanchester, I don't really know what that means. Milan and Manchester United supporter? I guess so I yeah. let's see. Well, he's got two questions here, so I'll read them out both. As a fellow PR comms professional who works predominantly on consumer PR campaigns, it would be great to ask Chris on the podcast if FI need to explore more creative consumer stunts campaigns example Paddy Power I think you touched on this earlier to generate more awareness of the platform to the public and then he he has another follow up because I think he ran our characters great to see FI started to place advertorials in the likes of the Daily Telegraph recently but can a super creative consumer PR campaign provide a much better ROI for FI is he just pumping his own Agency. That's surprised here, He didn't Milo tag his that. agency. In it, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> what do you think of his questions? I think they're super interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, we sort of we sort of half answered the first one, didn't we? Personally, I think they would they'd probably make a nice splash with a with a sort of Paddy Power style stunty thing, but it's a bit out of character for them. I think it the stuff Paddy Power does is great. I think we all kind of enjoy the social feeds and the big stunts, and you know, the Rodri Giggs piece was great fun. But that's very much in keeping with their brand, right? And I think. It's not in keeping with FI's brand to go down that kind of road, personally. Mm -hmm. And I think what we were saying earlier around looking to stand for something different to other gambling platforms is probably around the responsible gambling piece where they genuinely have a sort of credible story to tell. I think it still ultimately might sit a little bit hypocritically for them. They may feel a bit hypocritical about going hard on that, but I think people will relate to that kind of campaign. I think it's certainly why I felt a bit more comfortable signing up with them rather than other gambling platforms. And I think they just don't make enough of it. Like they could really take a stand on why gambling platforms need to be a lot more responsible and by association that will lead on to questions about what FI is about, and then they're able to kind of tell the FI story through that lens. Someone like Adam, who's a lot more in the background these days, should be probably at the forefront of a campaign like that. And I think that will open up to a slightly different user base. I think it would give different types of people confidence in the products. I think it would also for people that are on the platform already, it's another kind of, it's another sort of word of mouth string to their bow, you know, that Mm -hmm. when you're recommending you, you can be quite confident in the sort of values of the business and the company. That's where I think they should focus if they're going to think about kind of comms campaigns. So rather than a a stunt although you know if they did it well i'm sure it'd be quite good fun but that's what i think they should do really
0: nice and what about the creative consumer pr campaign you still think the most value there is on the kind of responsible gambling angle Mm,
1: not necessarily i think it is a good platform for them to kind of work through a more creative comms piece like that i think the ads are taking them down a certain route anyway in terms of how they talk to the consumer over ads but I think there is probably the the case for it they could work on a more kind of disruptive campaign that's not so you know obviously ad-led but I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier if you want to be successful in those types of campaigns now and have a sort of long-lasting success you have to have a purpose and you ultimately have to get a large consumer audience to believe in the purpose with you I think that stands up for small brands big brands you know look at Nike with their kind of Kaepernick adverts yeah. and stuff like that, that reinvigorated the whole Just Do It slogan, which had, oh, yeah. always, it had always been about fitness and performance and stuff like that. And suddenly Just Do It meant something completely different. It was obviously interesting to watch how that unfolded. Their sort of share price took a tank in when it first came out. But then as the weight of the consumer kind of audience got behind that campaign, it then rose to sort of record levels. So you have to stand for something. So always, I guess I find myself being led back to, that's probably the bit they can stand for on the responsible side for me.
0: Got a question here from F.I. Gardner. Did you see his fig cast hedge?
1: Oh, yeah, lovely. I mean, what, what a piece of work. What I nearly made it work. my
0: header for the day. It yeah, was that good. Really good, honestly. It was really sensational. Do you have a
1: garden fig? Maybe you need
0: to get him around. I might need to. I mean, it could be a crying shame never to see F.I. Gardner on the old garden. Just get him on the pod. Talk about gardening for half of it. Talk about FI for the other half. Maybe it is Titchmarsh because you don't see him much on TV anymore. Maybe this is his (laughs)
1: new guys. He's on FI, but he is still knocking out some lovely hedges.
0: Maybe this is my route into kind of like other content. There's a slight gardening angle to this next podcast that I do with him. And suddenly loads of people message like, hey, I'd love to hear you and Gardner talk about gardening every week. I mean, I'd be there. That
1: would be. I'd be <laughs> probably listening to that before the figcast.
0: Oh, I cannibalising kind of my own audience with a weird gardening related show. He says I'm sure there is a large number of traders who aren't on Twitter. So, what strategies do you think FI could use to communicate or interact better with its customers? I think we didn't really touch on this after you talked about the kind of disparity in actual communication via email, via Twitter, via video, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, what should FI be looking to do here? This is a difficult one because
1: they're obviously a sort of digital business by nature, aren't they? So they're they're most at home and they're most comfortable on social, and I think they do do a pretty nice job on Twitter. But he's absolutely right because we talk about there being five hundred thousand users, albeit you know they're probably not all active, are they? I think there's only fifty thousand or so following the football index account. So yeah,
0: it's not bad. It's
1: good. It's really good. But you know, there's then a, a huge chunk of people that are obviously not doing that. I do find it a bit odd. I don't really know how you would do FI without Twitter successfully, but that's another conversation, I guess. Yeah, I think it's tough for them. I think the email comms have sort of improved a lot. As we said, I think that's probably their only comfortable direct route to the audience. They know, you know, they're landing in, in the right place if they're not being served content on Twitter and that kind of thing. So I think that has improved. I think it could probably be a bit tighter and a bit more frequent and that kind of thing, but I think it's good. The one thing I was thinking about this, and it. This was really tiny because I got a text message from Football Index for the first time.
0: Like, I a got week one well. the other day. How
1: weird was that? I thought it was spam. I thought it was spam was like, as well. what is this? It didn't say Football no, it Index, said it said 50. 50. Yeah, exactly.
0: I was just like, who the hell has got my number here?
1: Yeah, yeah, so when he said this, I just thought, yeah, do you know what? I mean, they could make much better use of kind of mobile problems like that, but they've got to smarten that up if they're going to do it because it didn't look
0: real. I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago, Chris, Adam Cole used to individually ring, I think, people who are most active on the platform. No, <laughs> generally, obviously, this ages ago. This is going back like March to June 2017, so it's a while back now. But I do feel that kind of that hand-to-hand combat is so kind of underused and underrated in marketing in the modern era, whether that's kind of like you're growing your own brand or you are just trying to like please your customers better. And you can't do that on a mass scalable way. There's no way. You'd have to pay like 30 people to kind of like constantly talk to traders or whatever. But I do feel that that kind of like slightly human element has been missed. And a lot of good digital companies have managed to kind of digitize human interactions with people via the internet. I'm not too sure if I are there. And I think that it could actually benefit them having that kind of more... And I, I get it, you know, they, they're trying to do it with the podcast, they're trying to do it with kind of like video content that they put out. It's all opting in though, right, that stuff. Yeah, and Adam Cole tweeting, Mike tweeting, etc. I do think there could be a bit more of like a sustained strategy in that kind of more human side of things.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think, they, I guess, it's probably as much as anything a manpower issue. I w- would say in the interim... Number one, yeah, if you're going to start doing the mobile stuff, which I think is probably a great idea because it's obviously such a simple, if they made an offer through a text and they got someone to sign up and deposit, that would be ideal and it could be done so quickly. It's obviously got to look better. It's got to look legit. That goes without saying. I think if you think of when you get like stuff from your network operator and the EE or whatever, they're always visually quite nice, aren't they? The messages and that kind of stuff. This was just a text-based odd message, but it shows that they're obviously starting to think that maybe they need to ramp that up that is probably a good call. I guess what you were saying around taking that personal approach, it starts to, there's a sort of, I guess, an interim measure for them where it starts to take you in that sort of, they would need to still employ a few people to do this, but takes you in that sort of account-based marketing approach where right now everything is about mass brand awareness and mass customer acquisition through kind of big campaigns that get a lot of eyes on them. And hopefully you pick up a decent percentage of people from them. And they obviously are doing that. Probably if you think about some of the conversations you had with Headhunter last week around attracting some of the big boys, taking a more account-based approach where you already kind of know either the individuals or the exact profile of the person that you want to attract and then marketing directly to them is probably the next step for them. And you can obviously do that quite simply through you know LinkedIn campaigns and things like that. LinkedIn being somewhere where you would not necessarily... Find the broad FI user base, probably in terms of the type of comps that they want to get on LinkedIn. However, I think if you may be looking at high net worth investors and people like that, you absolutely would find them on there. That then becomes probably a good route to go down. And it's not the kind of communications themselves and the content doesn't have to be wildly different to what they might be putting out already, but it's how you're serving it to them in a more kind of targeted way. So that might be something they think about if they bought in a couple of. People that were sort of dedicated to growing the large investors and that kind of thing. I'd, I'd say you know, starting to think about that approach would be something they could do as well.
0: I totally agree with some of your insights there. I think you've, you've talked really well on that. Just before we move on to the next question, just want to plug Index Gain. As you guys know, the podcast is sponsored by them. Their most recent report was the BuzzPro New Player Price Comparison Report. Great tool to spot value. You can basically compare multiple price charts simultaneously of a group of players. So, for example, compare those who play in the same team or who perhaps play in a similar position. I think I saw Football Index Investor compare all the Fernandezes today, which is quite funny on Twitter. Uh, topical. <laughs> topical. They're all coming into the Premier League. They're all coming. <laughs> They're all coming, which is pretty cool. If you guys do have an interest in signing up to Index Gain, just head over to indexgain.co.uk and you can use FIG 2020 when you sign up for 50% off your first month, which is not a bad deal at all. Chris, are you a fan? Are you, are you on Index Game? Can people find you that? I know everyone
1: says yes at this point. I'm actually not. No. I just, I've never kind of fully looked into it. I think you said it in the tweet, portfolio size is not huge. I just have never really looked at it. I guess I kind of tend to watch as many games as I can and then, you know, read around a lot of the kind of journals that I follow and that kind of stuff. And that instructs my kind of more forward-looking buys a bit, I think.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's totally true. Like there needs to be an ROI for you. If you don't have like a massive portfolio, then investing in any kind of like additional support, whether it's kind of insights or data or even time, like maybe to a lot of people, it might be not be worth it.
1: Yeah, it probably leads into something that I thought was kind of interesting around sort of trading styles versus the portfolio size. And that I think the general kind of advice that I was always kind of given, certainly earlier on, but I think you still see it on Twitter from people now when, when others kind of ask for advice is if you've got a small portfolio, then you should focus on trading quite regularly and capital appreciation and that kind of stuff. And if you're investing big money, then the sort of longer term dividend approach is probably right. I think I would say to people that probably stands in terms of how it's best to make to maximise profits depending on where you're at. But I've definitely done the the sort of more longer term trying to build a portfolio around dividend winners despite not having a, a kind of huge portfolio compared to a lot of people. And even in those three years, you know, kind of, I don't know, I guess it's probably treble, quadruple, maybe the, the sort of investment that I've made, albeit it's not huge. So just the point really, I think when we were talking about advice to new users, you've got to do what's most comfortable for you and also what you enjoy as well. I think that sometimes gets missed on FI, right? When we, everyone's getting irate about various bits. <laughs> like, yeah. I yeah, enjoy yeah. it. And I I really, I love the the kind of satisfaction of winning dividends, especially PB.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very, very satisfying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what I meant earlier about the, that sort of FPL mentality as well. Like it's
1: satisfying picking someone that, you know, putting Danny Ings in your fantasy team at the start of the season is satisfying when he's doing what he's doing. It's the same thing on FI, isn't it? I think if you, at the start of the season, identify a few players that you think are going to have really good seasons, and they do, then that's that's probably the big buzz
0: from it, for me anyway. A lot of people think the same, I think. I think you want to talk a bit about kind of dividend matrices mm. and their reviews. This was something that you super wanted to kind of like get into. So let's talk PB first. I think you've kind of jotted down here that you don't think the matrix is far off. And I think I, I commented on it in the beginning part of the podcast. But what do you think about it? And do you think there will be any change, let's say, in, in 2020?
1: I think there might be a few more tweaks in the summer, post the Euros, maybe. That's no bad thing at all from my perspective. I do think it's pretty close. And I just think there's a sort of big vocal kind of piece on Twitter at the moment that it's not fit for purpose. And it's always quite an easy task to pick out in a game where you feel like the star of the show did not come out as the top scorer on FI. And, and that can happen. But, you know, they made pretty significant changes in the summer that for me did redress the balance to a point it opened up pb to different sorts of players you probably don't want to reflect on this game fig but I think there was a quite a kind of famous one for Arsenal against City when Lee Sane like absolutely just destroyed Arsenal and then yeah. Fernandinho came away with the pb win and it was just like <laughs> that was nonsense like but I think had that happened on the current matrix with also the increased points for assists and the dribbles element to it as well he probably would have won that time so I think it has got closer I also just slightly disagree with people that are sort of fixated on basically goals being the the key thing they obviously are and they're obviously the best moments in a game when you're there and all that kind of stuff but there's something for me anyway to be said that you know the most influential player on the pitch can easily be a Cruz or a Pjanic or that kind of thing even if they don't score the winner you watch those type of players, they completely control a game. Madrid are a very different outfit when Cruz is not in there, for example, in terms of the control that they have over a game. So that's his influence on the game. And so if he ends up coming out on top because he's, you know, he's run the show like he so often does, that makes perfect sense to me. Whereas I think for a lot of people it doesn't.
0: I guess it's situational though as well, Chris, because if you've got a guy who scores like two goals and gets an assist and Cruz doesn't do anything, then intuitively you look at it and you say, well, okay hang on, Cruz has done really well, he's had a good game, but on every other scoring app, this player has got like a 9.5 out of 10. Then I think you start to get like into the weeds of it a bit too much. I think
1: so. I completely agree with that. But what I would say is when there are examples of that, there are examples of it because it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So I think on a sort of jam-packed treble day on a Saturday, it's not often that, you know, What remember the, the good old days of arguing about baseliners and peak scores. It's not often that a, a sort of a baseliner comes out on top on a no. fully stopped treble day. That therein is those type of players value when you get to the latter stages of the Champions League, I guess, when it's tight and there's not as so many games but it's still a gold day kind of thing. I just think it's slightly over it's it's overdone on, on Twitter. Like I guess everything is, you know, ultimately on, on social media is do- is overdone. But that particular element of P B not working is overplayed, I think. It's I don't think it's that far off. Also, the, the changes in this summer were met with kind of, in general, great fanfare and enthusiasm from everyone about the level playing field. And so now, you know, we're, we're six months further down the line. Everyone's moaning about it again.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There are definitely things they could do to it. Some of it very subjective, I guess. What do you make of the kind of notion that there was an insinuation from FI that we could see some sort of longer term dividend, whether that be kind of team of the week, team of the month kind of thing? Why do you think that's kind of been not swept under the rug, but just kind of palmed away at this point? That seemed to be like a very, for me, that kind of seemed like you're nailing your colours to the mast, Like you're putting your stick in the ground kind of thing, like flag in the ground. That's our
1: point of differentiation. This is yeah. what we
0: stand for. Yeah, yeah. Like those kind of value kind of things that you were talking about earlier. That was the most value led, this is what we stand for statement that I think I've seen FI ever do. And for it to just not really be kind of really pushed and actually delivered, it kind of seems a shame to me.
1: I think when they made that comment, we expected to have heard something by now, even though they did say, we'll be looking at it in the new year, I think was the the kind of the comment. I just think they made such a clear statement of it. You expected to hear something sooner. I don't know. I feel like they probably are keen to do that in a, a point where they've introduced IPDs to give that more kind of quicker win satisfaction type piece and also, you know, ultimately kind of boosting liquidity, I think, which it, it probably has done. This was then felt like a move to acknowledge, as you say, but this is where our kind of heritage is and this is what makes us special and different to other platforms. I think they should do it. I wonder whether they're running some of the numbers on it and actually what I suspect you would find is that a lot of the team would be dominated in by the most valuable players on the index and so it would probably become quite a costly payout for them so I don't know maybe they're rinsing everyone
0: That's how you do it though doesn't it? It really
1: does yeah it really does when they first announced it someone on Twitter kind of ran some data on it didn't they and they kind of dressed it up in how they thought it might look and then kind of put the teams of the month together for the first three months of the season
0: I think it was buzzing Yeah it it was
1: great I loved it basically because I thought I've pretty much got all of them in my portfolio it's going to be brilliant I thought it was really interesting to see and there were a few kind of surprising faces in there too, right? I mean, it does it lends itself to cheaper players who go on a mad run of form as well and rewarding those guys that score every game but never win PB. I guess I look at it and I think it might be a problem solver in terms of if they introduce that and tweak the matrix a little at the same time and then you appear to be getting kind of the man of the match usually coming out on top for PB and then some of the kind of regular 200 plus performers are rewarded by a dividend like that, it maybe kind of solves some of that issue that we see on Twitter at the moment. Or it exacerbates the problem because the baseliners are cleaning up that dividend and there's plenty of examples of them winning PB as well. I don't know. I guess you'll probably never please everyone. I'm all for it. They should bring it in. It would add that long-term value to
0: players. Just quickly back to the PB Matrix, what would you like to see kind of tweaked and what would you like to see added?
1: I am with people that the kind of crossing element of it is a little bit out of control in terms of how many points you can rack up from just shanking a load of crappy crosses into the box. (laughs) You can smash some big scores doing that, right? And there's been loads of examples of shit players with no end product over the years who probably would have done all right on the PB Matrix. I think that's probably the bit they need to look at. Although, I do also think that when you are a player at a topside and you are delivering balls into the box, they probably get converted by the great strikers. That if you're a a sort of lower middle table team, you might be putting some decent balls in as well and no one gets on the end of them because you've got some pretty average strikers up there. That doesn't necessarily mean they're putting in crap crosses, right? So it's a difficult one, but I think that needs to be scaled back because sometimes you just see insane scores from people that you really don't understand why they've done anything in a game. Yeah. The Draver one that time was, was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> it was crazy. At 300 points and he, he, I don't think he'd completed a cross. Suddenly he was a PB hero. Yeah.
0: Philip Kostic, the Frankfurt guy, yeah. who is a good player in his own right, but I think the times that he's won or come close to winning PBs, was it like 19 crosses one of the games? It's like Look, I think there's a lot of data to support about corners themselves becoming less and less valuable in football in terms of they are actually producing less big chances and less goals in the past, say, 10 years. And I do think FI probably reward corner kicks probably too much because I just feel like if you hit the first man, it goes out.
1: You can get anything for that. That It's a terrible effort at a corner
0: three points plus five points and then there's passing the final third could they do dispossessions for example another interesting thing
1: i think they will keep looking at it though and i think they they ultimately do want to keep like refining it yeah but it's always i think going to be just a sort of like um little evolution rather than a, a big revolution to the to the matrix it has to be because there's so much money invested in the type of players that perform well for it as it is and that's not me or or anyone else who kind of has the same view necessarily being kind of worried about their portfolio and scared of the change. I think it's just the nature of the type of product that they've set up and people have built portfolios around what the product is. So you can't just go in and rip it up. I think they need to iterate it slowly, as you say. And I I think they will do that and it will become a bit more intuitive each time probably. But yeah, I don't know. I don't have an issue with someone that plays loads of passes racking up points because... That is something that you obviously can measure in a game and you, you, you do have to kind of think about what can be measured as well in, in terms of like adding actual values to it. If someone's making brilliant runs all game and they don't get picked out, they're not going to get any reward for that on the PB Matrix, but they <laughs> might have had a pretty decent game.
0: The thing that I think could be good is kind of like multipliers for goals, like multiple goals and multiple assists.
1: You love this. You're not going to stop until they do this.
0: I won't stop until it happens, mate. I won't. I do think that there is... You know, the rarity of scoring a hat-trick. I really do think that if a striker scores a hat-trick, they should have a really strong chance of winning PB. It's very rare. Like, it's not very common that a striker scores, say, more than one hat-trick in a season, taking away the, the freaks that are Ronaldo and Messi probably Neymar as well, considering his kind of level, uh, maybe even Bappe, considering he the never volume of goals so that they play Neymar, does he? No, he doesn't.
1: He's just a fundamentally lazier player, I think. Once he's got a couple of goals, he just starts messing about, he?
0: Loves the showboat, yeah. The Lewandowski's, I, just, th- I do think that the kind of multi-goal thing, I even think they should have done it for in-play dividends back in the day. One of the things I, I kind of harped on about was, you know, if a player scores kind of a brace, they should get three pence rather than... Two pence, hat trick, five pence. I mean, why not? Like, or could you do the same with assists? It's one of those things that I think could make it more complicated. And obviously, the payouts are big, but that kind of multi-goal thing could make it so suddenly. Neymar, or you know, you, we just said he doesn't score hat tricks, but okay, Lewandowski scores a hat trick, he wins five p. He's a two-pound ten player. That kind of ROI actually seems pretty decent when you kind of dumb it down. It's like two and a half percent, right?
1: Yeah, and also it's it's kind of rewarding the more than normal performance, the above average performance, isn't it? Which yeah. at the moment you can do, I don't know, let's say like NABRI against Spurs, like an astonishing performance in a huge game and one that you, you know he's walked away with the same dividends as if Cruz had passed his way to Starman.
0: <laughs> good point.
1: Other than the IPDs, I guess, that he would also be yeah. if he had them too. Which is a good point, actually, on the IPDs thing. I think, uh, I can't remember who I was talking about this the other day on Twitter, but, I think we as like people and you might say no this is not how I view it but I think there is a bit of this. We as like people that have been on the platform for a little while and have seen you know PB come in and then IPDs come in. We sort of view IPDs as like this kind of add-on that they made and the dividends are MB and PB and then it's like oh yeah and there's IPDs that you can sort of pick up as well and little bonus if you get them. I know some people just trade for them and, and they probably do really well if you if you're slick at it.
0: Do that many people trade for them? I'm though? not
1: sure but you see some people do and I've Actually, myself this season, done it with Lewandowski where I've just tried to keep refreshing him at the right times, you know, because he's just constantly smashing in goals. And I think people do, but I think we sort of, yeah, we don't, I just think versus how a new trader might come onto the platform and go, there's three types of dividends and they just view it in that way. And then if they take the time to understand the rules, they're like, okay, cool. That's how the the three dividends work. Whereas I certainly am guilty of not viewing it like that. I just look at it as like two dividends and an add on. Yeah, it is. But do you think think a new trader would view it like that? Or do you think they'd go, oh, right, you can get those dividends as well?
0: No, no, I totally agree with you. And I think I've said this on the pod before. It's definitely that kind of gateway Mm -hmm. drug, isn't it? I've got the terrible analogy of like, if you've got a bookstore, right? And you sell history books and geography books, that's MB and PB, right? And then suddenly, that's how you make your money, right? You profit from selling books in your bookstore of geography and history books. And then suddenly you think, okay, why don't I start? selling pens as well, because customers keep coming in and asking for pens. So you start selling pens, you don't make any money directly off the pens, but more people are coming into your store and they might come in for a pen, but they also might randomly buy a history book, right? Terrible analogy. I told you, I prepared you. One of the worst. <laughs> One of the worst. One of the worst. But I will continue to use it to the end of dawn. But this is the same thing, right? MB and PB are the fundamentals. I think in-played evidence are definitely something that FI... A kind of okay to write off from like a PL perspective? I know that sounds silly from like a start-up's point I'm of sure view. I'm sure they
1: make it back comfortably with all the trading that goes on with those players.
0: They might not. But also like how do you attribute it directly to in-play dividends? Do you know what I mean? Like because someone might buy not for in-play dividends. They might see Gnabry score that hat-trick against Spurs. Or was it four goals?
1: Yeah, four, yeah. Or five? Or four, four goals, right? Was it right? five even? Can't remember. Did he score five there goals? Loads of goals, when it. it was great fun.
0: I'm an Arsenal fan. I should have probably remembered this the Spurs how many goals did he score I think it might have been five he scored four four, four. four. yeah Wow. Well, four goals rubbish um, <laughs> North London's red anyway uh <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that that kind of like gateway drug that in play dividend that FI might not make money on but it might keep people on the platform and make them deposit bigger in the future if that's the kind of like value add from an in-play dividends standpoint i think it's done a good job yeah in terms of like actually becoming like a really big part of people's trading strategies and adding value to obviously it's added value to loads of really cheap players but technically every every player can now win pb and MB as as we've kind of quite well seen i do think that its main value add is to just try and get traders to one trade more but two just kind of like stay there long enough so that they understand the PB and MBA fundamentals and then they deposit more. I really do think that is the case. Getting them feeling good
1: about seeing some dividends coming in and stuff like that. I think I remember now the conversation.
0: It's almost like a marketing play. Yeah,
1: I think I remember now the conversation and why I started thinking like this. It was a conversation around players that had performed well in the last like month and hadn't won PB. And I think the comment was like, this is a terrible look for new users. They just won't understand it. And, you know, they haven't won any dividends. And I think, you know, it was then pointed out by someone else in the chat, well, actually, they've had like four goals and five assists this month. If you'd have bought them, they've bought 9p in. And that was sort of swatted away. It's like, yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah, but if you're a new user, you would think, ah, well, it's good. I've had 9p of that. So I I think it's just, I probably haven't articulated that particularly well, but I do think we tend to view them differently to new traders. And the concern in the conversation was like, this is going to be a crappy look for new traders. Probably not. Like if they were new, they've had all those IPDs, so they're probably happy with it. And then as you say, they're then into the product and they understand it.
0: What about Media Buzz? I think this is the one that is is on the tip of many people's tongues yeah. recently. Go into it for me.
1: I think there's loads of problems with it, obviously. A big one at the moment, I think, is that it's being kind of, almost exclusively decided by a couple of publications each day, isn't it? That is giving it a terrible look. I don't remember it being as bad as this over my time on their platform. I don't know whether you agree, but it's pretty prevalent at the moment in terms of the volume of articles that are going out from like the Express and whatever. So I think that gives it, it just kind of cheapens the whole look of it for me. It looks like it's not a kind of a decent mechanism if that's happening. So that's a problem. I think, you know, the documented problems around the actual sentiment piece on it and what scores and what doesn't and the united bias and all those other things but i think it's also a huge task to review it at this point i know they probably want to do it and they say they're looking at doing it i think it's got so much to it if they were to make changes to it it's a big big task probably from a tech perspective you know where are they pulling in stories from how's that going to work what's the you know what is the new kind of sentiment analysis on things so i think there's so much nonsense around it just minor points that players don't get picked up because of, this comes up every week, isn't it? But, you know, accents on names, all those kind of things that just rule people in or out. If I don't help themselves when they make decisions on single players, good news guys like Harland's picking up loads of buzz and I know he's not been picking it up so we've changed his name for you. Well, fine, but there's a ton of other players where that also applies to and I get why that annoys people because it just doesn't feel like a level playing field and so it's a kind of they sort of make a rod for their own back when they make those decisions because then they just get probably bombarded with a string of other players that are not picking up any media. I completely understand that if you get them to change one of those and you're in early you're probably going to get a decent rights right so that is a mess it needs to be sorted out and I think you said last week it needs to be sorted out before they really they can contemplate you know how media Buzz might work in other markets and stuff because, I mean, it doesn't even work here particularly well. (laughs) But it's totally essential to the longevity of the platform and there's days when there's no football and the summer when there's no international tournaments and all that kind of stuff. It it is a fundamental of the platform. I think they've got to get it right.
0: I'm sure they will.
1: I hope and believe they're probably working on it a lot at the moment. It's a tough ask, I think, to sort it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a really, really, really tough one. What do you think about it?
1: I don't know whether this is like
0: because it's been highlighted
1: much more vigorously on social media, but the sort of monopoly of a couple of publications, it's ridiculous at the moment, isn't it?
0: It is, but if these are the parameters that FI have set in terms of you have to upload to an RSS feed and use two second names, then that is what has happened. And I'm sure there would be less of a monopoly if you didn't have to upload to the RSS, if you didn't have to use first and second names, etc. You know, there are just simple fixes to that. That doesn't mean you have to just because at the end of the day, like the person that's winning the most buzz at the moment, right, He's the most who is being player. written, yeah, one hundred percent. I see that as quite like a. I don't mind if the Express write about him twenty times because it means that it is what it is. It's the biggest story right now. It is. No one can deny that. No one can tell me that get some Fernandez going to Spurs for an eighteen-month low is bigger than Bruno Fernandez going to United for what could be like a big fee. That kind of makes sense to me at the moment. So when it works, it works. I think it's the nature of the articles, isn't it? They're yeah. just basically the same article over and over again a lot of the time. I mean, but this is what these publications do. This is how they make their money. This is how they get their clicks. Like, that is, in a weird way, it's not FI's problem. And a, a lot of people have, have thrown out the idea of kind of like the biggest problem point scorer from each publication each day now that that could be fine but i think what you'd end up doing is having a lot of the same scores on quite quiet days i would hazard a guess that you'd have a lot of quite similar scores if you limited that because let's be honest if you had say there's like what 15 publications now if we suddenly turned it to 20 with germany or whatever other mooted european expansion there there to be then the maximum mb would be the ceiling would be very small And then you'd probably get quite a few similar scores.
1: I think you definitely would, yeah. I remember pre my kind of PR days when I was in the sort of sports journalism world, I remember being absolutely staggered by the way the national media operated around press conferences and stuff. When I was kind of sat in a few for the first time and then they kind of wrapped up and then all the guys got together and were like, okay, so we'll talk about this today, this tomorrow. And they all agreed it amongst themselves. And then it was like, these are the stories we'll release over the next couple of days off the back of this press conference. I just thought, I can't believe this is going on. I would have thought they were all like trying to get the sort of the scoop and the best story out straight away. But that wasn't how it operated, which is why I think when you got things like DiMazio breaking ranks on stuff, a lot of the yeah. traditional journals got stuck into him. But it's because there's this weird kind of. Code between them
0: that I was amazed to see existed. <laughs> yeah, they are quite funny about that. I think an English journalist did that as well. Mm,
1: hugely frowned upon, yeah. You don't get yourself on a Sunday supplement doing that, that's for sure. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't. You don't. I do think this kind of like, I don't think that you can carry out a change that makes it so the sentiment scoring matrix changes, that changes, this changes, and you have foreign outlets come in. It's just too big a change all to do at once. I really do think it is. I think let's move on to the last question before we wrap up here. It's from F.I. Sigmund Freund, who is going to be on the next show. It's going to be a super special. What a nice interlude to the next one. What a nice interlude into the next one. He said, what's been the biggest change since you joined F.I. three years ago? I think most of us on Football Index Twitter have only been on for less than 18 months. And if you had to guess what will be the biggest difference in three years' time, what do you think it would be?
1: God, I think the biggest change is obviously since three years ago, definitely... I'm not convinced that FI would still be about if they hadn't have brought that in, or it wouldn't be anywhere near the size, would it? I'm sure you probably think the same thing. It opened it up completely. When I first joined, I actually did quite enjoy the media piece but because I joined in, I think it was May, so we were heading into the sort of summer transfer spec anyway, and so there was actually a fair bit of movement on players, but you know, I understand prior to that it was sometimes quite slow paced on players, right? And So yeah, I think that, that's been the, the big change. Absolutely sort of revolutionized the whole piece and it, now I think if you joined now and there was only EMB I, I think it would it just wouldn't move enough for people so that's the one is what's enabled it to get where it's got three years time who knows I don't know what the roadmap is for them I suspect they'll be thinking about by that point maybe selling to a bigger platform do you think so maybe yeah I think even if it's not kind of out there publicly I, I suspect it might be kind of some sort of wheels in motion I think they would have made much more of an impact on the traditional gambling platforms by then
0: why would a big gambling company want to buy them
1: yeah I mean that is
0: a good question but I don't know I think listen I might
1: be completely off with this but I just think that the rate of growth I think it's going to ramp up I think it will be bigger and bigger each time in in terms of the big hits of acquisition I think they will get smarter with some of the marketing and comms and start eating into some of the areas that those guys can't play in and and reputationally and things like that, FI could be a good addition to a sort of more traditional bookmaker. Whether FI, that's really where they want to be in three years time, maybe not. I think they probably would, hopefully, I think would want to let it run its course a lot longer. They're obviously obsessed with golf Index and all that stuff, or Adam is. (laughs) But I think there could be potentially kind of wheels in motion by then. And I don't know. Whether that would be a good or a bad thing for the platform?
0: Yeah, fair enough. I think yeah, that's an interesting uh, one to end on. <laughs> yeah, leave, leave people to ponder. We'll be sold out.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know
0: yeah. I'll be like the Betfair guide or something like that, or the Betfair Index guide. At that point, is that what you're saying? Maybe. I mean, it
1: could be. It'd be huge for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I don't know how I feel about. I, I, I just don't think they'll. I mean, I guess considering. I mean, we're talking very like business heavy stuff, like Adam Cole's age and stuff. Like I think maybe you know one last payday but then he's put every kind of ounce and, and sweat blood tears into this business yeah maybe
1: not i hope i hope not actually because i think they they ultimately do a, a great job of it like they've done an incredible job to get it where it is the one thing you always know with them is that they they absolutely love what they're doing and the, the platform and yeah that comes
0: through I, with everyone do you really think though in, in three years sorry to cut you off but like in three years you know there's still so many markets to to kind of hit there's just too much opportunity. And I hope that they look at it in that way.
1: I hope so. I just, I don't know. I feel like maybe by in three years time, they will be more on the radar that they may have conversations to consider around that. Maybe they won't, maybe they won't entertain it. I don't know. That would, that would be nice to think. Yeah. The passion that they have for the product, they wouldn't do anything to kind of put it at any sort of risk, I don't think. But even when they make mistakes like they, they do from time to time or Mike gets upset on Twitter that people haven't liked his new announcement. That is ultimately the, the sort of passion for the product coming through I think. is Yeah it?
0: for sure We'll finish up there Chris, you, you've been a wonderful guest mate, thank you so much for no, coming on where, where can people find out more about you?
1: Uh, yeah so on Twitter, maybe I should be inspired by Sam and getting his own <laughs> handle oh, but it feels like a lot of admin so I'm just on Twitter <laughs> under my kind of personal handle which is Chris underscore Harris with a, a 5 rather than an F at the end
0: <laughs> Fair play <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on, man. And thank you all very much for listening. If you guys are commuting right now, I hope your commute is good. I know there's been a lot of wind and rain recently. I took out my phone the other day and the headphone jack came unplugged because it was so windy. I couldn't believe it. It wasn't great. So I hope your commutes are better than mine at the moment. If you guys aren't commuting, doing whatever you're doing, uh, hunting whales, all that good stuff, then... Have a great day. And sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. There were loads and lots of comms and marketing ones that we, or we, Chris, went through well. Just to remind you guys, the Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you could afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Alf Wiedersen. (laughs) Cheers.